This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Gilmy Talks. This is Gilmy, and I'm happy to be doing this again. Just needed a little bit of time off, guys. I was working on side projects. I was working on a bunch of stuff, but truthfully, I was a little burnt out with the whole podcasting thing. And remember when I said it wasn't, if it wasn't fun, I wasn't going to do it and it has nothing to do with my guests my listeners anything I've just been doing this in 2016 and I think I had like a month off in that time and now I'm back and I just want to say thank you for everyone checking in messaging doing the whole thing I truly appreciate it and I will talk to you guys more on the back half oh wait a minute I'm not good at this anymore. I've had two months off. I forgot to talk about things like, you know, sponsors, um, why I've been off, going into detail about the show. That's what podcasting is. Okay. Well, this one is actually a tribute show to Terry Funk, a memorial show, whatever you want to call it. I think it's great. I'm very happy I did this. Matthew Terry gave me a fantastic clip about a stale story of Terry Funk, which I truly loved. It's at the Midway Waypoint. And don't forget to check out his show, It's Time to Fight. So now I'm going to talk to you guys on the back half. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Gilmy Talks. This is the first one back after my break. (laughs) And I was going to come back at the start of September, but I'm on vacation this week, and we had two absolute legends in the professional wrestling world. Very different ages, very different styles, very different stories. But I'm going to do two memorial shows, and this is the first one on the great Terry Funk. Now... I'm just going to start right here. Terrence Funk. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to just guess nobody ever called him Terrence. Terry Funk was born June 30th, 1944. And passed away August 23rd, 2023. Hmm. Same, Same date, same year. I'm a numbers guy. I always notice stuff like that. Terry Funk was an American professional wrestler. He was well known for the longevity of his career, which spanned more than 50 years and included multiple short-lived retirements because he loved wrestling and is very influential in hardcore, the hardcore wrestling style he pioneered in the latter part of his career. Middle-aged and crazy. He is considered one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time 
Over the course of his career, Funk has wrestled for numerous major promotions. Among them, All Japan Pro Wrestling, Extreme Championship Wrestling, the International Wrestling Association of Japan, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, or FMW, the United States Wrestling Association, World Championship Wrestling, WCW, the World Wrestling Federation, and also, I don't know if he wrestled for WWE, but I know he wrestled for WWF. Uh, I think it was around the time they did the Get the F Out. And multiple National Wrestling Alliance territories, including Big Time Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Stampede Wrestling. And he was the promoter of the Armadillo-based Western States Sports Promotion. And... Yeah, the end end NWA World Heavyweight Championship he did held. He is in that rare distinction of being an NWA World Heavyweight Champion in 1976. But he also held the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, USWA Unified World Heavyweight Championship, WWF World Tag Team Championship and the ECW World Television Championship. He's in he headlined ECW's premier annual pay-per-view event November to remember three times. Funk has been inducted to, into multiple halls of fame, WWE, WCW, NWA and the Hardcore. And see, I was born in 1980. So the Terry Funk that I know was from WWE and on. So from WWF, World Championship Wrestling, um, ECW, and then I found about FMW and all the craziness he did. And he was in Ring of Honor, MLW, like... Terry Funk has literally been everywhere. Um, now, let's just go back up a little bit here. He was born June 30th, 1944 in Hammond, Indiana. He is the son of Dorothy Culver and Dory Funk, a professional wrestler and promoter. And also his brother is Dory Funk Jr., fellow NWA World Heavyweight Championship. They grew up in the professional wrestling business. After graduating from high school, Funk attended West Texas State University, now West Texas A&M, where he competed in amateur wrestling and football. Imagine lining up against a young Terry Funk. <laughs> Funk started his career in 1965 for Western State Sports, working in his father, Dory Funk's Western State Sports promotion in Amarillo, Texas, his debut match was against Sputnik Monroe on December 9th. He and his brother, Dory Funk Jr., quickly rose up the ranks as a team and in singles matches against names like Ernie Ladd and Hank James. They became big money wrestlers by the end of the decade. Championship Wrestling from Florida, 1970 to 1982.
1975, Terry defeated Jack Briscoe for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Miami when Dory failed to appear for a title shot. He began a 14-month title reign, so he wasn't even supposed to get the belt. Oh my god. Defending the title against Jack Briscoe, Dusty Rhodes, Carlos Roca, Giant Baba, and Pat O'Connor. In addition to North America, he defended his belt in Australia, Japan, and Singapore. The historic reign ended in Toronto when he was defeated by Handsome Harley Race, who had earlier beaten Dory Jr. for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship before losing it to Jack Briscoe. Race lifted Funk for a shinbreaker and then trapped him in the Indian Death Leglock. When Funk failed to respond to referee Fred Atkins, the match was stopped. So, he did not submit. During 1981, Terry spent some time in Continental Wrestling Association, feuding with Jerry Lawler. The most memorable match in this feud happened in April 1981 in Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. The match took place in an empty arena with only Lance Russell, a cameraman, and a photographer present. Funk had challenged Lawler to this match at this time because he felt he was getting unfairly treated in Memphis. The confrontation only lasted a few minutes and ended with Funk trying to put Lawler's eye out with a broken 2x4, but Lawler kicked Funk's elbow, causing him to hit himself in the eye. The tape aired on April 25, 1981. All Japan Pro Wrestling from 1972 to 1991. Terry and Dory Funk Jr. also made a name for themselves in Japan. Terry became a star in the eyes of the Japanese fans with his over-the-top mannerisms, sometimes colorful get-ups, and his brawling ability. In Japan, the Funks were heels until they faced the Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher in Tokyo. The two later faced Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody and Giant Baba in memorial. Memorable. You can remember their feuds. <laughs> I can't say mem memorable. There we go. I got the word out. Terry Funk made his WWF debut in June 1985 after a brief run in the AWA. In his television debut on Championship Wrestling, he not only beat Aldo Marina, but he also beat on ring announcer Mel Phillips. Funk attacked Phillips after Phillips made the mistake of putting on Funk's cowboy hat. Funk also had a gimmick of carrying a branding iron with him to the ring and using it to brand his falling, falling opponents. The attacks on Philip led to a feud with JYD, the junkyard dog. In the mid-1980s, Funk teamed with Dory, calling himself Hoss Funk, and Jimmy Jack Funk, a storyline line brother, and they were managed by Jimmy Hart, because all heels were either Jimmy Hart... Actually, no, a lot of heels at that time had had managers, I'm remembering incorrectly there. Yeah, yeah, I miss man Will managers. Funk, uh, let's see. At the time, he had a heated rivalry with the Junkyard Dog, which led to a match between Terry Funk and Haas Funk and the team of Tito Santana and Junkyard Dog at WrestleMania 2. Terry also had a series of WWF title matches against Hulk Hogan, and Funk left the WWE in April 1986. I genuinely wonder if he regrets leaving at that time, because WrestleMania 3, the next year, is when 
everything kind of went dick went went bananas and but uh wcw 89 to 90 and 1994 funk joined wcw in 1989 and became part of the jtex corporation he began feuding with rick flair who had defeated ricky steamboat at WrestleWar for the nwa world heavyweight champ championship funk who was one of the three judges for the main event challenged flair to a, a title match flair refused saying that funk was spending time in hollywood instead of focusing on wrestling funk then attacked and pile pile, pile driving flair on a ringside table this put the champion flair out of action until the great american bash where he faced funk Flair won the match by reversing a small package into one of his own, but shortly after was attacked by Gary Hart and the Great Muda. Sting came to the aid of Flair and the two brawled with Funk and Muda to close the show. Funk got injured but returned to continue feuding with, with Ric Flair. The two then had an I Quit match as Clash of Champions 9, which Funk lost after yelling, Yes, I quit, after, foot Flair, after Flair put on the figure four leg lock. The match received a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. A notable part of the feud occurred when Funk used an actual plastic shopping bag to suffocate Flair on television after Flair and Sting defeated Muda and Dick Slater at Clash of Champions 8. After losing a Clash of Champions match against Flair, he shook Flair's hand and was attacked by Gary Hart's stable. Soon after, he became a color commentator and the host of his own segment, Funk's Grill, where a tuxedo-clad funk would amiably interview the top stars of WCW, both face and heel. This did not last long, as he soon left for the USWA. In 1994, Funk reappeared in WCW and wrestled Tully Blanchard to a double disqualification at Slamboree 1994, and later that night he became a member of Colonel Roberts Parker Stud Stable. Oh, WCW names. Along with Bunkhouse Buck, Arn Anderson, and Ming, uh, the stable would focus their energies on Dusty and Dustin Rhodes, as well as the Nasty Boys, culminating in a War Games match at Fallborough. International Wrestling Association of Japan. In 1994, Funk joined the Fledgling International Wrestling Association of Japan promotion. Funk would go on to participate in IWA's most famous event, the King of the Deathmatch Tournament, held on August 20th, 1995 in Kawasaki. Funk would defeat Leatherface and Taigojit Singh in extreme style matches, which featured barbed wire covered boards, glass, and chains. Before moving on to the finals of the tournament, in the finals, Funk was defeated by protege Cactus Jack, later known by U.S. audiences as Mick Foley. In a no-ropes barbed wire exploding barbed wire boards and exploding ring time bomb deathmatch. <laughs> wow. Terry would also participate in several other deathmatches throughout 1995. And that's where I honestly believe where deathmatches began. And that's where this, because I know there were hardcore matches, there were everything before. But I think King of the Deathmatch Tournament was a start because this is the this it was the match that got handed from person to person when you, and this is the respect that started coming out for Mick Foley and Terry Funk 
at that time. Even yeah, even on 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 Ontario Great Warhead, this is where his love of Terry Funk started, and everyone's. This is was in the middle of his ECW run and all all the craziness that was going on there. But I think this is the one that started hardcore and deathmatch wrestling becoming worldwide and world world known. Because Japan was doing the craziness and the occasional US show would do cra craziness like this. But this is the moment I think it actually started. And now um, I'm just going to play a quick story for you by a friend of the show, Matthew Terry. Um, on the It's Time to Fight podcast, he, and he's also a member of OIW, so go check out his uh, his show as they're well, guys. Terry Funk scared me at like eight years old. It was not scared me. He made me wonder, like, what's wrong with that guy? Or... Like, that guy is different. I, he was wrestling Tito Santana, and Tito was fighting up from his knees. And Funk grabbed a handful of his hair, and Funk got a nasty look on his face, and he brought his fist up, and he started talking trash to Tito, started shaking his head from side to side, just talking trash and getting angrier and angrier. The whole time, that fist just shaking next to his own head, ready to try and thrust it straight through Tito Santana's head. And then, he headbutted Tito Santana. I distinctly remember eight-year-old Matthew being absolutely dumbfounded that after all that he headbutted him and that memory has genuinely stuck in my head for over 30 years and at one point that memory uh, generated the desire to search out more Terry Funk matches and I mean later in life when I knew more about the wrestling business and could more easily gather VHS and DVD and whatever else. Because I wanted to see if this memory was, was unique or was there more about Terry Funk that made me think, what the hell was that? And of course, I got a healthy dose of middle-aged and crazy. But what I also got was something that I guess I can best describe as Terry Funk Terry Funk was like he's he's comparable to to guys like Harley Race or Sabu or actually oddly enough Brock Lesnar if you genuinely believe what you see is what you got inside and outside the building it was just too real like there was no way that Terry Funk was not legitimate 
that there, there was no way that that is not how he really was. And of course, over the years, stories have been told about how different Terry Funk was behind the curtain. And I've heard stories about how kind and caring and supportive and loving of a person that Terry Funk actually was. But he sure as hell made a believer out of me. Here we go, guys. Now, this is where my love for Terry Funk started, in ECW. I knew about him from WWE. I knew he was a very cool dude, but I didn't know the history. I didn't know the NWA titles. And go check out any of my Talking With Tom shows where we review stuff. And those are the great ones because, you know what? We talk about Terry Funk a lot <laughs> on that. And he has such a career. Like, it is insane where he has the career. Because he's from ECW from 93 to 97. And then, and then back from 98 to 99. Returned to WCW in, uh, on, from 2000 to 2001. While also working the independent circuit. And then TNA in 2004. And then later returns to WWE throughout the years, working the independent circuit all over the place, other media, and I'm going to read all that stuff. Because I think he effectively retired in 2017, but we'll find out. Later in Funk's career, he changed his style from wrestling the traditional southern style wrestling matches to the more violent styles of hardcore wrestling. In 1993, after a special appearance against Blanchard at WCW's Slamboree, Funk promised to help the fledgling ECW, later, sorry, Eastern Championship Wrestling, later renamed Extreme Championship Wrestling, or ECW, because it was the 90s and everything was extreme, by lending his talent and notoriety to the promotion. On July 16th, Terry and Dory Funk lost a barbed wire match against the public enemy. And remember, this is Dory Funk as well. These guys are not young young at this time. They were wrestling their heyday in the 60s and 70s, and this is 1993. Funk maintained a regular schedule of wrestling for ECW in its early days, while also competing in Japan. He had made many feuds and wrestled programs with wrestlers such as Cactus Jack, the franchise Shane Douglas, the Sandman Shabu, and Terry's own protege, Tommy Dreamer. Funk f further elevated ECW by headlining their first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, April 13, 1997, winning the ECW World Heavyweight Championship from Raven. Earlier in the night, he defeated the Sandman and Stevie Richards in a triple threat match, thus earning him the match with Raven. Funk went on to successfully defend the title in bouts at Chapter 2, The Buffalo Invasion, Wrestlepalooza, Heatwave, and ultimately defeated for the title by Sabu in a barbed wire match at Born to be Wired in August 97, in which the ropes of the ring were taken down and replaced with barbed wire. Both men had to be cut out of the wires at the end of the match. Sabu had his bicep visibly, visibly 
torn open by the barbed wire. As a result, the wound was taped up and the match con continued. Wrestling in the 90s was very different than now. Literally, he grabbed duct tape, taped up his arm, and kept going. You can definitely see that. See that online or in some clips or on the WWE Network. In September 97, the show was held in Funk's honor of Amarillo. It was called Terry Funk's WrestleFest. And it was both his own show and a celebration of the careers of Terry, his father, and his brother. Terry lost then WWF champion Bret Hart in the main event, a non-title match beforehand. ECW owner Paul Heyman presented Terry with a belt, paid for through a collection up by the wrestlers on the ECW roster, then declared him the lifetime ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Funk appeared in the 97 Royal Rumble match appearing at number 24 and lasting 15 minutes and 18 seconds before being eliminated by mankind of all people. Funk then returned to ECW before his retirement. Funk's retirement lasted just 11 days before he returned to the ring after wrestling in Japan with FMW and on the United States in the independent circuit. Most notably about with Rick Ratchet that drew many fans to the East Coast. Funk rejoined the WWF. Funk debuted on December 29th, uh, December 29th, 1997, episode of Raw and the Masked Chainsaw Charlie. Although his true identity was soon acknowledged by the announcers, <laughs> teaming with Mick Foley, who was wrestling under the Cactus Jack promo, uh, persona, Jack and Charlie began feuding with the New Age Outlaws, where they were defeated by them on January 26, 1998. Episode of Raw by Disqualification. And I remember this feud like it was yesterday. The following week on Raw, Charlie and Jack would have a match against each other, with a match ending in a no contest after the Outlaws would attack both men, placing them in a dumpster, and then pushing it off the stage. That was crazy to see. Uh, at No Way Out in of Texas, in your house, Charlie and Jack would team with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Owen Hart. Think about the talent on that one, one side, guys. Defeating the team of Triple H, Xavier Vega, and the Outlaws. At WrestleMania 14, Charlie and Jack would defeat the Outlaws in a dumpster match to win the Tag Team Championships from WWF. The following night, on March 30th, episode of Raw, Charlie and Jack would lose the titles, because it was the 90s, to the Outlaws in a steel cage match. On April 13th, episode of Raw, Funk would be begin wrestling as himself and forming a tag team with Two Cold Scorpio. The team would be short-lived while they were defeating the likes of the Quebecers, the Midnight Express. On May 4th, episode of Raw, Funk would be defeated by Foley in a Falls Count Anywhere match. On a June 1st, episode of Raw, Funk would be defeated by Mark Henry in a King of the Ring qualifying match. Funk then turned... Uh, formed a short-lived tag team with Justin Bradshaw, with them defeating Too Much on July 25th of Shotgun Saturday Night at Fully Loaded In Your House. Funk and Bradshaw would be defeated by Farouk and Scorpio, with Bradshaw attacking Funk after the match. And that is when the AWA started, I believe, guys, with Farouk teaming up with Brad Bradshaw. 
back to ECW uh, at November 2 remember Funk was be believed to have been Tommy Dreamer's mystery partner against Justin Credible and Jack Victory it turned out to be Jake Roberts an enraged Funk attacked Dreamer at every opportunity in late 98 and 99 came down ill before they could have a match and yet again retired in mid 1999 returned to WCW Funk wrestled in 2000 and 2001, winning the WCW Hardcore Championship three times, which stands as the company's record, unlike WWE with Raven and 23 Hardcore title hold, holds, I, I think, and the United States Heavyweight Championship for the second time. He was also the WCW Commissioner, introduced on January 3rd, 2000, episode of Monday Nitro, and one time the leader of the short-lived old age outlaws. Funk, Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco, Paul Orndorff, then they feuded with the NWO. I'm just going to hit my head into the table because whoever thought that was a good idea. <laughs> I love the people in it, but the old, admitting you're old, I don't know, especially at, at that time. From 2002 to 2004, Funk was a regular top star for Ring of Honor and Major League Wrestling. Funk had several battles with the likes of CM Punk, The Extreme Horseman, Steve Carino, C.W. Anderson, Justin Credible, and Simon Diamond. In specialty matches such as No Rope Wire, No Rope Barbed Wire Deathmatch and a 5 on 5 War Games match. On MLW's final show until 2017, Funk was attacked by his former manager Gary Hart and the Syndicate. In November 2004, Funk competed in the UK wrestling company FWA's annual show entitled British Uprising. He teamed with Paul Burchill and Paul Travel, managed by the twisted genius Dean Ayas, to face the triad managed by Greg Lambert. In a six-man tag team match, Funk's team emerged victorious in front of the crowd of 2,000 people in Coventry Skydome. In 2005, Funk received an offer from the WWE to appear at the ECW reunion show one night stand but turn it down in favor of working the ECW nostalgia show hardcore homecoming that was being put together by Shane Douglas uh, at hardcore homecoming Funk lost a three-way barbed wire match to Sabu those two are gonna fight fight fought forever really uh, TNA, NWA, Total Nonstop Action, 2004. Uh, doo -doo -doo, Funk and the Sandman. On February 4th, 2004, NWA, TNA, Funk and the Sandman lost to The Gathering. CM Punk and Julio De Niro. On February 18th, 2004, NWA. Sorry. On May 23rd, 2009, he made an unannounced appearance at a house show for TNA Nonstop Wrestling. At the show, Terry joined long-term friend Mick Foley as a special guest enforcer for a match between Scott Steiner and Samoa Joe. Let's see, where did I leave off here? There we go. Funk made a brief return to WWE in 2006 when 
he appeared on the May 15th episode of Raw confronting Mick Foley over the attack on Tommy Dreamer on the previous week's episode on Raw ECW One Night Stand. Punk would team with Dreamer and Beulah McGillicuddy in a losing effort against Foley. Edge and Lita midway through the match. Foley injured Funk's left eye with barbed wire and Funk was taken backstage. He later returned to the match with a bloody cloth tied over his eye. Tit Foley with a flaming 2x4 but wrapped in barbed wire. Because he's Terry Funk. Funk along with his brother Derry was inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009 by his long term longtime friend Dusty Rhodes. 2013, Funk inducted McFoley in, into the WWE Hall, Hall of Fame. Funk made a cameo appearance on March 21st, 2016 episode of Raw, giving Dean Ambrose a pep talk for his match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. For his match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32, at the conclusion of the segment, Funk presented Ambrose with a chainsaw in reference to his previous gimmick as Chainsaw. Charlie. Return to the independent scene. After the one-off uh, appearance on WWE-produced ECW One Night Stand, Funk then returned to the independent circuit and made appearances in Japan. He claimed to be semi-retired after wrestling his last match in September 2006 against Jerry the King Lawler in Extreme Rules match at the Great Plains Coliseum in Lawton, Oklahoma for the promotion Impact Zone Wrestling. Funk was also the special guest referee during the Raven John, Johnny Webb uh, versus Con Concussion and Homeless Jimmy match at Cold Day in Hell. And here's the thing, he was in Ring of Honor, he did all these amazing things on the independent scene guys I can't I cannot read this all because he had such a career at 50 years it's absolutely amazing like he was manager for Eddie Kingston he was with Funaki Mil Mascaris every name out there like the Rock and Roll Express Brian Christopher everyone that you can think of probably had a moment or a match or some kind of thing with Terry Funk like Mashiro Chono, Ricky Choju like he was teamed with some of the best in the world and he was on the gathering of the Juggalos a special guest referee between Viscera and Two Tough Tony it's absolutely insane what, what he did like working with everybody from Jerry Lawler to Eddie 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 Kingston like it's so much stuff now in other media Terry Funk appeared as a bouncer in the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Strazy and he was featured in Beyond the Mat as as well a wrestling docu doc, doc, documentary that everyone listening to the show probably said <laughs> and here's the quote from right after wrestling with Arter Arter Ocow on Sirius Satellite Radio 
and he replied, I will never really truly retire. This is also the interview with the infamous quote, I dislike Vince McMahon. I'm jealous of the Vince. <laughs> Punk appeared on the short-lived Western Wild Side. Only six episodes were ever aired. Uh, behind the scenes, Funk chore choreographed the majority of the street fight. Oh, uh, Funk choreographed the street fight between Rocky Balboa and his nemesis, Tommy Gunn, at the end of Rocky V. Funk's name can be seen in the end credits. Funk also had a short-lived music career in which he released the album Great Texan in 1984, which was a soft rock AOR orientated album. The album was met with mixed reviews and is generally considered a cult classic by fans. I have never listened. I knew it was out there, I've just never listened. Funk has also appeared in several WWE video games, starting with Smackdown vs. Raw 2008, Smackdown vs. Raw 2011, and himself in WWE 13 as downloadable content and his Chainsaw Charlie gimmick. In July, Terry Funk, uh, sorry, in July 2022, Terry Funk released a self-titled biography comic book through Squared Circle Comics. I am now looking at all the championships he's had. I will touch on those in one second. I'm putting this part off. Um, personal life and death. Funk married his wife Vicki Ann on August 14, 1965, and they had two daughters together, Stacy and Brandy. For many years, Terry and Vicki owned a ranch in Canyon, Texas, which they later sold. Vicki died on March 29, 2019, as confirmed by Ted DiBiase on Twitter. In the documentary film Beyond the Mat, Funk is told by a doctor he, need, he needs a knee replacement. Years later, he had the operation. Funk was close friend with NFL player John Ayers. Funk was also close friend with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, September 12, 2016, Funk underwent surgery for a hernia and was supposed to be resting in bed for a couple weeks, but chose to attend Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore shows. Yeah, that sounds like, uh, like the Funker. In July 2021, fellow wrestler legend Don Morocco reported Funk was living with dementia and living in an assisted living facility. And on uh, December 29, 2021, Flair announced on his podcast that Funk had returned home and was doing well. Terry Funk died August 23rd, 2023 at the age of 79. This man was wrestling in his 70s. That is insane to me. Um, so many words here. All Japan World Strongest Tag Determination League Techniques Award with Derry Funk Jr. from 77 to 87. On and off from there. Cauliflower Iron, Iron Mike Mazurki Award for the from the Cauliflower Flower Alley Club Championship from Florida uh, Heavyweight Champion Florida Heavyweight Championship One time Florida Tag Team Championship Two times with Dory Funk Jr. North American Tag Team Championship Florida Version with Dory Funk Jr. 
Um, NWA, yeah, a lot of tag championships there. ECW Championship, Television Championship. Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2010. Georgia Championship Wrestling, tag, te te television, tag again, Dory Funk Jr., all in the 70s. Hardcore Hall of Fame, class of 2005. International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2021. Jim Crockett Promotions or WCW. Um, yeah, Hall of Fame in '95. Hardcore Championship three times. United States Championship two times. And the NWA United States Championship Tournament winner in 1975. Juggalo Championship Wrestling one time. NWA Hall, Hall of Fame and NWA Heavyweight Champion one time. NWA Big Time Wrestling Brass Knuckles Championship Texas version one time. Any title with the word Texas in it, I think Terry Funk had. Pro Wrestling Illustrated Feud of the Year, Inspirational Wrestler of the Year, Stanley Weston Award, Wrestler of the Year, 1976. PWI ranked him number 22 of the top 500 single wrestlers of all time in 1991 and in 2003. <laughs> number 9 of the top 100 tag teams of the PWI I years with Dory Funk Jr. Oh boy, this just keeps going. <laughs> Need a drink of water or something. Uh, Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame, 95. Tokyo Sports Lifetime Achievement Award, Match of the Year, Popularity Award, 83, 80, and 79. United States Wrestling Associated, uh, Unified World Heavyweight Championship from the USWA. Western States Sports, pretty much tag, 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 tag. Uh, Western States Heavyweight Championship, 12 times. My goodness. World WWE, he did win the tag titles one time in WWE, and it was I think it was less than 24 hours, but that's still awesome. Uh, Hall of Fame 2009 there. Wrestling Observer Newsletter, best brawler, best heel, best interviews, hardest worker, feud of the year, all 1989. Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Hall of Fame, class of 1996. Now, here's some of the films he he was in. Paradise Alley, 78. Over the Top, with Sylvester Stallone, 87. Time Stalkers, 87. Roadhouse, 89. And then he wasn't in, in anything really uh, movie-wise, but I can see he was in a lot of TV shows <laughs> at that time. Beyond the Mat, 99. Active Stealth, 99. Friday Night Lights, 2004. The Ringer in 2005 with Johnny Knoxville. Um, television, Wild Side, six episodes. Swamp Thing in 1991. I remember that. <laughs> Quantum Leap, 1991. Tequila and Bonetti, 92. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., a show that I really, really enjoyed, which I have to do an episode on that show. Thunder in Paradise with Hulk Hogan. He was Armorello Docks. 
Amarillo, Texas. They just gave him the name Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. He was Dirk Simmons in episode The Wrestler in 1998. And 2021, Dark Side of the Ring, episode Blug and Wire, Onita's FMW. You have to watch that, guys. He has a couple books, More Than Hardcore, 2013, and Terry Funk, 2022. Personally, I'll be checking those out. I have never read them, but I will do that. And he has put three albums out. Texas Bronco, 83. Great Texan, 1984. Tougher Than Shoe Leather, 2018. Because he's Terry Funk, and he can do whatever he wants. Reading this was an absolute joy. Thank you for listening, guys. I'm back to the weekly shows again. Sorry to come back on kind of a downer note, but this is a celebration of Terry Funk's life and the amount of everything that he's done. I think he is absolutely amazing, absolutely talented, and there will never, ever be another Terry Funk, in my opinion. There's never going to be a, a guy who... There's never going to be a guy who wrestles and does exactly what he wanted to do. And that's why I got the respect for Terry Funk. As a guy who does the podcast his own way. As a guy who was told that you're never going to make it more than six, six epi episodes. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. It just... Getting this out there and going, and the negativity that I've actually in faced from the podcast, I look at guys like Terry Funk. They've done it all. Acting, movies, albums, wrestling, on his own terms. And that's why I truly respect Terry Funk, because he did it all on his own terms. And don't forget, guys... Go give me that five-star review on Spotify or, or Apple there. Come on. Let's get Gilmy Talk going back up these rankings because I've been off for uh, two months and I needed a break, but I'm back. I'm here. And didn't expect to do multiple memorial shows when I come back, but I think these artists truly deserve them. Rest in peace, Ter Terry Funk and go check out any Terry Funk matches I mentioned to you guys and I will talk to you on the next one bye guys hey guys I just want to say thank you for tuning in to Gil Gilmy Toxie again I know it's been a little bit but thank you to all to everyone who really messaged and reached out and asked what's going on I truly appreciate it. The goal is for me to put out one show a month, uh, not a month, one show a week, and to have fun while doing it. I have new guests lined up, and I'm going to be, get, due to a schedule change at work, oh, it's easier for me to get in contact with Tom. And talking with Tom is hopefully going to be on the monthly um, getting the Patreon going again, check that out, patreon.com slash Talks, because I'm going to be putting shows out there as well, 
go follow me on all the show shows I do some interesting stuff on that at, on TikTok I have fun and it's at Gilmy I believe I don't have my social paper in the front front of me because I am severely unorganized and not used to uh, doing this but I'm glad to be talking to you guys again thanks for tuning in please go check out Gilmy Talks on any podcast platform and please leave that five star review so it really helps me out and I will talk to you guys on the next one. Bye.